Welcome to Brainwaves Bistro. Grab yourselves a cuppa, kick back, and join us for mental health talk with a positive vibe. Here's Julianne. Welcome. Today's episode of Brainwaves is going to floor you. When you think your life has been tough, then please have a listen to our guest today, the amazing Charmaine Woods. But would you introduce Charmaine for us, please, to the listeners? Yes, thank you, Julianne. And just a little word for everybody. Uh, we'd like you all to feel safe in this environment. We will touch on some content about domestic um, abuse, uh, mental health issues, and while we understand it can be triggering, we want you to feel safe and we will have some, uh, what we say, like tools and resources at the end and also they will be in the description um, that you can link onto and get the support that you need. So thank you, Julianne. So I first met Charmaine through a networking group on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, Australia. We immediately hit it off, but it was not until I heard her professional speech given at one of the network's events that my eyes were open to just how amazing Charmaine is. Charmaine's life has not always been easy, and her story stems from a lived childhood experience with domestic violence, mental health, alcohol abuse, and poverty in the family home. Charmaine was homeless by the age of 15, but she's overcome all this adversity to achieve some amazing personal professional life goals. Charmaine currently holds, so she's got more degrees in a thermometer, a Bachelor of Law, Laws, uh, an Associate Degree Paralegal, a Diploma of Teaching, a Diploma of Criminology, a Qualified Criminal Profiler and has worked as a Police Officer in the Victoria Police and has a Certificate 3 in Business Management to name just a few. So I'll let Charmaine tell her story. Welcome to the show, Charmaine. Oh, hello, Barb and Julianne. It's lovely to be here with you. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I feel very humbled to be able to talk with you ladies today and to um, give my story to the listeners. Thanks, Charmaine. So can you take us back to the early years of your childhood, please, just to give us a bit of that background? And it's going back a bit of a ways now, but yes, I can. <laughs> um, so I grew up with a mother who had undiagnosed mental health issues and my stepdad was a high-functioning alcoholic. And believe it or not, my biological father was a Hells Angels bikey, so he was part of the Hells Angels bikey gang. He was a bit of a character. So my childhood was filled with a lot of chaos. There was a lot of yelling and screaming. Um, there was a lot. It wasn't uncommon for the police to attend our house. And um, I think it's one of the reasons why I ended up becoming a police officer because I, I saw the police at our house so much. My mother was actually the abuser in my childhood circumstances, so that was quite distressing and that did involve physical, psychological and emotional abuse. So a lot of that involved things such as degrading me, making me feel like I was useless, threatening to drown me, and this would happen on a regular basis. So when you think about something that might occur once, in that context, this was the normal for my childhood arrangement. So I would be dragged by the hair down the hallway and other treatments like that. And one that stands out for me was that one time I was um, getting ready to go for school 
and I had a severely cut foot. I'd cut it in two places on the bottom of a bottle and I remember my mother forcing my foot into the shoe without any um, treatment or medication and sending me to school with it with all the wounds opened. So it's quite, you know, horrific stuff that we're talking about in terms of when you're a little child and you're not quite understanding what's going on. Very emotional time for you indeed. You also mentioned poverty. Can you explain to the listeners what that was like for you living in a first world country like Australia? Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, that that was really really challenging. It was a challenging time because um, at one point there, and when I do my guest speaker roles, I actually show a picture of the actual shack that I lived in because I always think that sometimes when you see these visual visual aids, you get a better perception of what life was like. There was no running water. There was no um, carpet, so the floor was made of dirt and there were lots of holes all over the shack and there was no specific room. So living living in that lifestyle, I, my staple diet was Vegemite sandwiches, so I survived on those and there was no encouragement for school or education or, or the like as well. And at one stage I say that I joined the crew of Captain Jack Sparrow because we lived on a rickety old boat on the Brisbane River and it was very difficult at the time to even maintain not only your education but your hygiene and all those things that you might just take for granted as part of your daily activities. So that was very difficult as well and it was very difficult to focus at school at times as the schools were changed so many times over the course of my childhood. So they were just some of the examples of what I experienced. I didn't finish HSC because I was homeless before the age of 15. So in some respects, what I did was I looked at that as my opportunity to take flight. Rather than take that as a negative, I used that opportunity to say, well, I'm down in the ditch, but I'm going to come out fighting. So manifestation in my life was a really big thing, and I truly do think it started at around the age of eight years old, where I feared that I was not going to make it to adulthood. And it was at that time that I bargained off my deals with the universe and I looked and and strategized towards a plan. So my plan came into fruition once I became homeless, which is very interesting. And I always say that the human spirit is amazing and that as long as we have hope, and we can ex- we can expect to to have some semblance of what our human rights are and to to live a really good life. So definitely, I, I had a strong focus on where I was going to go. My gosh, um, that is amazing. In in many of our discussions, you told me you worked as a police officer in the Victorian Police Force. Um, did they become like your family because you didn't have a family? Absolutely. I I joined at the age of 20, so that's quite young. And what that gave me was stability. I lived, so the academy course was over three months. So I had a home for three months in the academy at that time. I was able to live there and eat three square meals a day. And also the, the friendships I made, which I still have now, lifelong friendships, a lot of those people became my family for quite a long time. Yes. Um also, you said that you had um, studied some learned behaviours in these very, um, we say, very departments that were not for the faint-hearted in the police force that you were in. Can you talk about some of those units that you were in? My gosh. 
Sure. I, I specialised and, and I find this to be where I particularly had a very great interest was to do with families and child rape and sexual abuse. So I went to a specialised unit that dealt with these um, type of type of incidents. And while I was there, I was able to not just from my experience, but also from what I learned and study was look at that concept of learned behaviours and how learned behaviours from childhood be- can become the behaviours of the adult as well. Because it, it is a common knowledge that what people live in their childhood can then be repeated in their adult lives. And so the common thing that comes through in my guest speaker roles is a lot of people come up and say, well, actually, you're not like this, you're like that. How did you do that? How did you end up where you are rather than over here, uh, perhaps, you know, in trouble with the law and and that sort of thing? So I witnessed a lot of those learned behaviours. I came in contact with a lot of people who had those learned behaviours and it was sad to see that they couldn't reach their full potential in their life because that they also had distressing childhood trauma. Mm, I see. Um, Julianne, I believe you've got some uh, incredible stats that you might be able to share re-first you know, responders, um, Charmaine being uh, one of those first responders in mm. her previous life. Um, have you got some stats there you can share, please? Yes, well, the statistics... Barb and Charmaine are very disturbing. For our first responders, including our wonderful police, also ambulance and firefighters, we are looking at over one suicide per week in Australia. That's according to the Black Dog Institute for Mental Health Research. And not forgetting, and I'm doing this for our folks in the airlines, that our first responders, our flight attendants, 15% of aircrew in Australia experienced or said they experienced suicidal thoughts and depression, particularly pre and just after COVID. We've got to remember our doctors. They are our first responders, GPs. GPs have a substantially higher rate of suicide in Australia and similarly in the United States. At one top US medical university, the prestigious John Hopkins, medical students are given extra lectures and often on how to preserve their own mental health. Now, to truly understand, put yourself in someone like Charmaine's shoes. How many times do police have to knock on a door to tell a family they have lost someone in an accident or through suicide? This is a recipe for trauma, and some of our first responders actually do develop post-traumatic stress disorder themselves. So, yes, Barb, very disturbing. Thank you, Julianne. Wow, they're they're some amazing statistics. Um, So, Charmaine Woods, since hearing you speak on the uh, at, at one of these functions, um, I'd like to also learn about um, what you have done on the speaking circuit. What is some of the feedback you received from these guest roles? Um, yes, the, I do get a lot of feedback um, after I've uh, p- participated in my guest speaker roles, and um, some of the feedback I've had, which I touched on before, was that comments have been made to me, such as, you defy the usual story, you should be taking drugs and committing crime. 
You should not be here where you are right now. How did you do it? I also hear stories about adversity, which makes us realise that we're not alone. And it is in our darkest hours that someone else is also experiencing diversity as well. So one of the ladies I had come up to me and told me that she should not be where she is today because her parents actually conspired to murder her. So this person has gone on to be a very, very successful business person and has achieved some amazing goals, even though there was adversity in the start of her life at such a young age. So it just it just goes to show you that you never know who you're speaking to, who's in your audience and your crowd, and also the fact that all of us at some stage have experienced adversity. So it, it just opens up a dialogue where we can talk about these things and learn from each other. So, Charmaine, tell us about what your life looks like now. I laughed because I did put here that I had a GPA of 6.5 out of 7, but not to brag, but just to say that <laughs> it is possible for you to achieve your heart's desire and you just need to be focused on what that goal is. Also, I have a fantastic family with two really successful children and the husband that I asked the universe to deliver to me. So <laughs> life is going very well. We're ending on a good high and um, I'm right on target with all of my personal and professional goals. <laughs> wow. So I'm fascinated to know what made you different from other people and other people in your family. You know, like what mindset did you put into place to lift yourself out of poverty into the dynamic woman I see before me today? What helped you succeed? I really do think it comes down to the the age-old saying, make lemonade out of lemons. And I think it was in that very crucial point when I was homeless that I said, I can either fall or I can stand on my own two feet. I don't think I have anything that's unique compared to other people. I just think there was a focus and a desire to create a better life. So I think also keeping your mental and your physical health in good shape really helps you break down the issues you experience in diversity, in adversity, sorry. Wow. Um, Charmaine, there are a few shout-outs that you'd like to make. Um, I'll put the links in these organisations in the description notes and that'll go out with this episode. So, But who are these groups, please? Uh, so I'm currently a, a board member with Lifeline Mid, Mid Coast and they give you an example. This year answered um, 24,930 calls out of almost 1 million. So they're doing a lot in terms of suicide prevention and in particular, their one three um, double triple one four number is is really attracting those vulnerable people in need. And there are many crisis support websites through the US. So if those listeners are over there, uh, just know that there's government and volunteer organisations that can help you as well. And also, I had the luxury of attending at tender funerals in, on the mid north coast in Warhope a great non-profit organisation which is not only dealing with cost-price funerals but helping those with the mental health issues surrounding the loss of a loved one. So just a shout-out to them as well, doing an amazing job in our community. That's lovely that you've got time to think about those other people. Good for you. Now, I did hear a whisper that there is a book in the pipeline. (laughs) Yes, I'll say TBA to be announced, but it's called Tiger in the Corner and it will be a story of my life and it will also include some stories about life behind the blue line working in the police force. So it will be very interesting 
and um, it'll TBA on that and I'll let you know when that comes out. Fabulous. Now, um, I've also mentioned you're on the speaking circuit now, like you're right up there with everybody. Um, I'll put in the notes how people can get in touch with you, but just um, verbally, what is the best uh, contact place for you? LinkedIn is the best place. I'm very contactable on LinkedIn and there's only one Charmaine Woods without an E and so you'll be able to find me. And I have red hair, so I'll be easy to spot. (laughs) And I'll also put that in the notes. Um, Well, Julianne, I'm sure you will agree. We were very fortunate that Charmaine agreed to come on Brain Raves Bistro. Would you like to do the wrap-up, please? Oh, yes, Charmaine. We're blessed to have you on board. So... So thank you so much. I'm sure you're going to influence and help a lot of people when they hear your story and you will continue to do this wonderful work, I know. But I just want to say, folks, remember, if you feel any distress, remember, call that number that Charmaine mentioned, 131114. That's Lifeline on 131114. Thank you so much for opening up champagne and bit of champagne. Champagne, I should have one. She is champagne. <laughs> She's beautiful. And you, uh, it's courage to be so vulnerable so that we can learn from your story. You have made a lifelong friend of our Barb, and that's a gift of friendship to you both. So thank again, you. Thank you blessing. for having me. Mm. But let's all be like Charmaine and give back to our societies and communities and please support the not-for-profit Black Dog Institute. They do so much valuable work in suicide prevention. So all you have to do is Google it, Black Dog Institute, and please give. We are a non-for-profit organisation Mental health research needs badly your funds. No donation is too small. So thanks, gals, Charmaine and Barb. And on a bright note, have a great day and a great one tomorrow.